You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 357. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we take some time to acknowledge Patreon supporter Fred from the Netherlands' request to do a top 10 list. And I've been looking forward to this for a while. Yeah. Yeah, we used to do top 10. I think we did one pretty much every episode. Or at least we did them a lot in the back in the early days. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, refreshing to get back to a good old top 10 list. Yeah. And, you know, uh, if you are a Patreon supporter, the way Fred is, you know, that there are some things we'll do for you. And, and at, at the $5 a month level, one of them is to cover any episode of any genre show of your choice and a top 10 list. And, and Fred called in his top 10 list this time. And, uh, it's an interesting one because the first one, as he mentions in his feedback later, and I'm not going to bring it all up, you know, because he'll talk about it, you know, later in the uh, podcast. But his first choice was to do Dutch actors. <laughs> and when we first started doing a little bit of research, that was a tough one. There are a few well known actors that are half Dutch. Uh, wear orange occasionally i mean it just it was really difficult but uh you know fred sent us his request and i'm not going to go through everything but he got his start as he's mentioned before on the podcast with orphan black and it was a gift from his wife and being the geneticist it was a perfect match he got into it i i dare say and fred will correct me if i'm wrong it's his favorite show still, and you know it, it is one of those shows that I do want to get back to at some point. Like a lot of us, Fred was drawn to Tatiana Maslany and started looking for other shows that she was in. One thing leads to another, and, and that's how a lot of us discover the shows that you know we end up really liking. So there was, as he describes it in his email to us, this tsunami effect watching all of these Canadian series that it just seems, as we've said many times, most of the genre shows are filmed in Canada. Most of the actors are Canadian. And again, one thing leads to another. And his choice for us to explore with a top 10 list this time is a top 10 list of Canadian actors in the genre field now we'll say right off the bat these are not the 10 best these are just 10 of our favorites right that's pretty fair to say right yeah well i mean if if they're our favorites then they're probably the best though too so yeah well that, that's true I but mean, it's uh, an extremely uh, subjective list there there is there's no you know data or science went into the creation of this list whatsoever you know, there were a lot of people that didn't make the cut. Some of you will say at the end of this podcast, how the hell could you leave that person off your list? And I would just say, we hear you. Yeah. And Fred's got his list that he'll present in his feedback later on in the podcast. But uh, there were there were a couple of times we almost came to, uh, to, to fisticuffs over a couple of the people on, on the list just to get it pared down to what we got. So Right. And, and the list that we're going to present we agree on the 10 that we came up with wayne's going to talk about five i'll talk about five obviously you'll talk about some of mine i'll talk about some of yours but the five that you've got 
aren't necessarily your five and I disagreed or anything like that. But the other thing, remember, this is not the first time we've done something like this. Back August 2nd, 2013, we did a podcast, Genre Women We Love. Now, tonight, of course, we're going to talk about men as well. But episode 44 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, you guys might want to go back and check that mm-hmm. out. There are, there's at least one person that's still on our list. Yep. So, well, before we get to the list, the what we're watching tip of the week, uh, you want to go first this time? Sure. So uh, the first one I have, and again, neither of these are, are genre uh, shows or movies. The first thing is, um, is uh, Ricky Gervais' Uh, series that season two just came out of afterlife that's on netflix i am a, a, a huge fan of ricky gervais i think he's you know in in my opinion one of the funniest people ever that i've seen um next to sam kinnison of course it, it's no spoiler to say that the premise of it is he plays a guy whose wife has just died of breast cancer oh i, I guess three it's three months after her death and he is really struggling to kind of hold on and come up with a reason basically to, to keep on living. And that's, and he, he talks about it openly with other people about how sometimes he just sees no reason, but he, he's got a dog and that a lot of times is just the thing that he holds on to is, is to prevent him from, from ending it. So it is very, the, the it's not, like it's not all funny, you know. Um, nor is it all cringy. Like if you have ever seen the original Office, a lot of he, you know, he really made his mark with that, and you know, having this comedy that, like, that they kind of did in the American Office. But really, if you watched his David Brent character in the Office, is is by far more like awkward than uh, you know, Steve Carell's Michael Scott character. So, but there's very little of that. It's really just this kind of swing between um, this idea of of the the uh, you know joy of life and humanity, and also the absolute depths of of that same thing as well. And, and he kind of goes to both of those extremes. So there's you know overall, it's it's very funny, a very emotionally moving show. Um, I liked it. So, well, it's really funny that you mentioned The Office. Because a show that my wife and I started watching, and whether or not we're going to continue, not sure. We just needed a break from all of these dark detective shows we've been watching. And we checked out the first couple episodes of Steve Carroll's Space Force. Have you seen that on Netflix? I've read so many bad reviews about it. Like It just seems like everyone says it's rubbish. So I Uh, haven't even started it. (laughs) It's not awful they're only half hour episodes steve carroll's great the writing is you know so far john malkovich's in it and he's one of these actors that i have a love hate relationship with (laughs) but uh you know it's again it's a half hour of your life but what i actually i'm sorry before you just really something really quick an interesting comment i read about space force is that um one critic had said you know if this was like a normal TV show where they're just releasing one a week. They have a chance to get some feedback, look at it, fix the things that were going wrong, fix the things they didn't like, like in mid season. But as it is with the, you know, with the Netflix uh, dropping the whole thing at once, you, you don't have that 
ability to to do any kind of mid-season adjustments. Yeah, that's a really good point. And even the standard network shows typically film most of their season before the season starts. And they certainly can make some adjustments and, and certainly do some editing. And, and I know that they do that. But yeah, that's a good point that, uh, you know, I mean, there are a lot of drawbacks to the Netflix model, but I think the advantages outweigh that. But thinking about what it is I'm watching, I've, I've mentioned many times my love of international shows, and, and I know you certainly watch a lot of them as well, but I decided to sit down and actually make a list. And the list of UK shows that I've watched, just too many to list. Ireland, I know a show you mentioned a few months back, Dairy Girls. Yeah. Um, but have I've have got you seen scan- that yet? I've seen most of it. We haven't seen all okay. of it yet. Yeah, and we both Girls. like it. That's yeah, a great yeah. show. Um, I've got Scandinavia covered. Okay. Uh, we're watching, or we just finished a Finnish show called Border Town that I mentioned, and, and there's another show we're watching, Deadwind. Denmark, you've seen The Rain, correct? Nope. No, that's no. on Netflix. Oh, dude, you got to check out The Rain. That, the that's Rain. You know, okay. sci-fi, genre, whatever. Okay. Uh, Sweden, a show called Quicksand, which is a... Uh, crime drama norway of course ragnarok and right now we're watching the valhalla murders which is icelandic nice yeah okay yeah See, i pick i picked up some icelandic yeah <laughs> I, I feel like those are cognates though but yeah but yeah it's good <laughs> but uh, germany of course dark babylon berlin poland there's an alternate reality well, actually, alternate history called 1983, in which the Berlin Wall never fell. And I think I mentioned that maybe a year or so ago. Uh, Belgium, we watched a show called The Break. Spain. Uh, and also, oh, um, did you ever watch, was it Tabla Raza? I have not. I can't get my uh, wife to buy into it. That's, I, I, that was a really good show. Yeah, it looks great. And I know you said it, and I just can't get her to bite on that. Right. So, uh, And you got Belgium covered anyway, so. Yeah, Portugal, Ministry of Time, Turkey, The Gift, uh, Italy, Medici, France, Bonfire of Destiny. So uh, it, it's funny. I almost feel like I want to put push pins up on my yeah. uh, the map in my office, but uh, to this point, I haven't done it yet. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what I'm watching. And as I said, I'm picking up little bits and pieces of... Uh, Icelandic. And, and the other thing I've learned that there is a certain four letter word that begins with F that is pretty much universally pronounced. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's, that's the funny thing when you watch, uh, you know, shows from other countries that uh, you see the uh, English cuss words uh, are, are, are universal. So. Like the- <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to our list of let's do it. not necessarily a top 10, but 10 of our favorites. And I'll go ahead and start. There's no surprise that Amanda Tapping made our list way back when, when we were talking about the genre women we love, and I believe her photograph is used in the blog post. We talked about whether or not she was the first lady of sci-fi, and at the time you were promoting Summer Glau, and certainly Summer Glau's got a lot going for her. She's got good genre cred. Tougher tougher at this point to make that argument, though. Tougher at this point, exactly. Uh, Amanda Tapping, Stargate SG-1, Continuum, Sanctuary, Stargate Atlantis, Traveler, Supernatural. 
for me, my first experience was her role in SG-1 as Captain Samantha Carter. And the series lasted 10 seasons over 220 episodes, I believe. So by the end of the show's run, I believe she was a general. I'm not sure how many stars, but her character is this astrophysicist pilot all around badass who was the perfect counterpoint to team leader Colonel Jack O'Neill, played by Richard Dean Anderson, who we all know as MacGyver. And just just a wonderful character that was the voice of reason so many times and just one of those smart, nerdy, badass types. That mm-hmm. Back then when the show started, we didn't see as many as we maybe see now. Right, right. But after that, like you know, Fred mentioned in his email to us, I, I started looking for other things she was in. And there's a hidden gem called Sanctuary. You've seen Sanctuary, right? Yeah, you you uh, passed on Sanctuary to me when I actually was out for like a week and a half because I got um, deviated septum surgery, and oh, I basically right. watched uh, Sanctuary over the whole time. So yeah. that was a great so the show. Interesting, yeah, the interesting thing there is she she loses the blonde look she has in Stargate and has gone really dark brown in her role as Dr. Helen Magnus, 157-year-old director of a program that's devoted to seeking out and containing extraordinary beings known as abnormals. And you might say 157 years old. Well, she looks pretty damn good for 157. We learn what her backstory is and we learn about some other literary characters that pop up in in this storyline which is pretty cool but despite playing key supporting roles in travelers and continuum it's her move behind the camera that really occupies a lot of her time now she directed nine episodes of travelers four of supernatural four van helsing some of continuum primeval new world she is an in-demand director so it's almost fair to say she can do whatever she wants at this point if she wants to take a role she can if she wants to get behind the camera she can but she's certainly not necessarily my first choice but she's pretty darn near the top yeah yeah she's got it she's got to be we should say where where, i i I didn't think that till now but we should say where they they hail from in the great white north let me well, she was born in England, but she's pretty much lived her entire adult life in Canada. So I okay. think we're okay with that. Yeah, they call so who, British who, Canadian actress. Yeah, so who do you want to start with? Well, I'll start with another uh, from the fair sex of uh, Carrie Ann Moss. Okay. Who is obviously uh, her absolutely iconic role as Trinity in the matrix uh, trilogy. Now there's a fourth one coming out soon. Um, yeah, I read that. You know, yeah, probably, you know, if we could make the, this list on the strength of that alone, except that, you know, the requirement was they had to have been in at least two different things. Um, but she has, she's actually been in a couple, but let's just take a moment to talk about Trinity and how this is probably, you know, obviously, I, I called her an iconic character. I think that's probably putting it mildly. Um, the Matrix, you know, kind of just really kind of set the standard, I think. I believe it was made in 1999 um, <clears throat> for so much of genre movies that came afterwards and everything, especially ones with the, 
the the bending nature and the big twists and everything. And uh, you know, Carrie Ann Moss in the the black leather and and jumping up, and she has like the the famous scene early when she is being attacked by police, and she jumps up in the air and she just kind of stays there for a moment before she starts beating the crap out of everyone around her. Um, so, you know, obviously it's just like, you know, I mean, everyone knows who she is. Everyone knows that role. It's, it's like, you can't say enough about it. In addition though, like, um, and I think actually probably maybe even a better role for her, or certainly a, a one that where she gets to show a little bit more depth, uh, is her role as Jerry Hogarth in pretty much every Marvel movie, not movie, every Marvel show on Netflix. Um, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, Defenders, Daredevil. I, I guess she wasn't in Punisher. I don't think she was in Punisher and uh, or, or Luke Cage, but I feel she must have been in Luke Cage at least some point. I don't know. But anyway... Um, and, and Jerry Hogarth is is just one of those characters. I think I put in the notes that you, she's a character that you love to hate, to love to hate. You know, like she just is. Uh, sometimes you feel sorry for her, and as soon as you feel sorry for her, she's going to say or do something where you don't you hate her again. Um, and just a, a really outstanding character. Uh, and Carrie M. Walsh just nails it. She is, you know, I couldn't imagine anyone else. Well, yeah, and her relationship with Jessica, again, they make each other squirm so many times. And, of course, it's usually Jessica squirming in jail and waiting for Jerry to spring her. But, yeah, the, the, the differences in the characters where Trinity is such a physical badass, Jerry Hogarth is more of a cerebral uh, character. And, uh, yeah, just really one of my favorites, just as you said, you, you love to hate, you love to hate. Yeah. Or hate to love or whatever. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah, that's a great thing because like, she's just Jerry is totally, and it's like somebody, she's like that character. You just feel like redemption is always just around the corner. And then, uh, nope, <laughs> no, not at all. Well, the last thing to, to mention that she was in is in human. I forgot about how she was in uh, humans or she played uh, Dr. Athena Morrow. And uh, I just, I, 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 she was just uh, um, a person, I believe that she was like one of the significant people in creating the AI that eventually would be, you know, used to, uh, to create the, the, I can't remember what they're called. Yeah, I can't remember <laughs> either. But, uh, you know, I, I want to mention real quickly, though, uh, you know, because, because you sort of alluded to it in, in your uh, discussion for a few minutes that to make our list, you had to appear in at least two genre shows or movies. And I think we both looked at it from the standpoint, one of those two couldn't simply be a one-off, that you had a role in one episode of a show. We looked at it more that, you know, you had to have at least a recurring role in your the second show to be considered so keep that in mind with uh some of the people you might be upset we left off the list one comes to mind is anna silk and outside of lost girl i'm not sure what genre 
she's done. Right. Somebody's going to probably correct me on that. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's. Uh, bring well, just a really quickly, in. Carrie M. Moss was born in Burnaby, British Columbia. So, okay. I don't have all the data on where my yeah. characters were born. Well, as you're but, talking, I'll look it up. Okay. Well, let's bring one of the men into the discussion, and that is Matt Frewer, who may be one of the finest genre character actors currently working. And when you talk about, well, what's he been in, it's probably easier to say what hasn't he been in. Right. I mean, we certainly saw him in The Librarians. He was in Watchmen. I saw him in The Order. He, apparently, he's in Fear the Walking Dead, which I don't watch, but apparently he's in it. Orphan Black, of course. Magicians, Timeless, Falling Skies, Eureka, Olympus. And the one I forgot, and I'm like smacking my head, is, of course, Max Headroom. Max Headroom. Yeah, I had that one in. Yeah, that was, From that was the 1980s. First yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the cool thing is that he generally plays these morally questionable characters who still retain a light enough touch that we don't hate them. I mean, Jerry Hogarth that you mentioned, her character is not light. She, no. She's very heavy. But all of these characters Matt Frewer plays, you know they're bad, but they're just not so bad so it's a testament to his acting yeah the, well, except for maybe the the guy on the the librarians he was pretty much all around bad yeah if I well, yeah but it just was hard to it was yeah. just hard to hate him right. lancelot duloc right leader of the brotherhood i mean he wanted he wanted to kill funny. santa like, for crying out loud old, right exactly but uh you know we mentioned the 1980s max headroom of course dr aldous leakey in orphan black who was this neolutionist in season one and, and the primary antagonist at, at that point in the series and and again just there was something about him you know he's evil but i don't know for me i i i don't know i i just don't know what it is uh, I forgot he was in Falling Skies as General Bressler, the commanding officer of the First Continental Army. And I'm thinking like, all right, he's usually not that type of a character. But then he ordered the killing of all the de-harnessed kids. If you watched Falling Skies, you know what I'm talking about, which was pretty aggressive and pretty extreme. Peter Morton in The Order. Uh, where he was the grandfather of central character Jack Morton. And, and this is a, a show about uh, witches and, and, you know, magic to a certain extent. And uh, born in Washington, D.C., but raised in Peterborough, Ontario. So yep. there's that Canadian connection. So Matt Frewer, I think when you think about him, you just say, oh, yeah, of course. So, yeah. All right. Who's next for you? Uh, well, I'm just going down my list, and we will go with Anna Paquin, who was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba, though she was brought up in Wellington, New Zealand. Do you like my oh, okay. New Zealand accent there? Yeah. It was nice. terrible. <laughs> uh, so, wow, yeah. Okay. Born, born in, 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 uh, in the, great, uh, the great country of Canada, though. She is an actress who has played a ton of different parts. But for our discussion here, the, the two that really um, stand out were, one, her role as uh, Suki 
on True Blood, which I've never seen True Blood. But oh, I, I only saw the first two and a half seasons, and I'm not, again, I'm not sure why my wife and I stopped watching it. But yeah, I really dug it. Yeah, yeah. For, well, from what I hear, is it, it started to get not quite so good. I guess maybe. The, but I remember when it first came out, like everyone was talking about, it, but I didn't have HBO back then, so I didn't see it at all. But yeah, I mean, obviously a huge role. Uh, for her as some kind of uh, vampire, I believe. So, the other, not which a, I not at the start. Oh, not at the start. Okay. Yeah. Well, spoilers, there, Dave. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I guess you got to figure that the 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 young, attractive girl who's not a vampire at the beginning will, you know, that that's going to change. I don't know where I've seen that before, but it seems like that that's happened in other movies slash book series. Um, Twilight. <laughs> what really made me pick her though at first was that i was just just needed a second thing that she was in to justify putting her on this list was her role as rogue in the the og uh trilogy of x-men movies and uh you know you could definitely argue that in especially in that first movie she is you know probably the second most important, you know, I mean, maybe in the first, you know, even Wolverine, I don't know, maybe they, you know, had her Wolverine as like the kind of central characters of that movie. So that, that was, you know, really good about that. But, uh, and, and she was just great, you know, uh, playing a character who, um, you know, basically can't have any kind of human contact because she, you know, she drains the life out of anyone she touches that uh that that brings a lot to to bear on her character and is waste of of her you see her you know growing and evolving and learning how to deal with this power slash curse of hers um is just it's it's really good now of course she she then in the second two movies she takes kind of more of a backseat as famke jansen's character of, of uh the the dark phoenix um becomes more of uh central to the story but um still really good um uh, you know i first remembered seeing her when she was just uh, she was a very young girl when she was in the movie the piano the only scene i can really remember probably is seeing a lot of people she kind of looks through the window and i can't remember who played her mother but uh you know her mother's uh she sees her mother having sex with uh, harvey Keitel, which you know could be a, an influential important uh moment in any young kid's life so all right well that's going to uh haunt me for the rest of this podcast that <laughs> image but uh <laughs> all right now arguably one of the most visually iconic characters in science fiction television is played by none other than trisha helfer in battlestar galactica as cylon number six it's a character that turns out to be much more complex than simply a sexy blonde woman in a red dress. And while her task on BSG doesn't approach the level of Tatiana Maslany's acting on Orphan Black, she and the other Cylons do have to take on a number of other characters because it's just, they're each just a model, but then each model has different characters. So whether it's her hairstyle that changes, her... Uh, wardrobe that changes her attitude that changes she is different while still being the same and 
it's just, again, I, I can't imagine any of our listeners haven't seen Battlestar Galactica yet, but if you haven't, stop listening yeah. to this podcast and yeah. go start just watching go, it. Get, get on that right now. Um, she's also best friends with her Battlestar Galactica co-star, Katie Sackoff, who plays Lieutenant Kara Thrace, a.k.a. Starbuck. Both avid motorcyclists. She also has a Battlestar Galactica podcast that she does a rewatch of the series and features numerous BSG alum. And it's really interesting because I've heard so many actors say this, that they really never sat down and watched the show with a a, a level of understanding that the actual fan has because they're so closely tied to it. They watch it and they're looking for everything they do wrong or just nitpicking their performance. And to hear her talk about it now with other actors from the show is really, really fascinating. Um, And and I'm going to put a few links in the show notes about uh, two podcasts that feature interviews that I was fortunate enough to do with some of the people that that we're going to talk about tonight. So you can check that out if you're interesting. But what a great follow-up as Lucifer's mother in the Fox Netflix Supernatural series, Lucifer, Again, here she plays two different characters, the shady, high-profile lawyer Charlotte Richards, the body of whom Lucifer's mother later inhabits, and she's forced to create a distinctly different character, and just fascinating to watch Trisha Helfer play not only the mother of Lucifer, who I guess also is considered the wife of God, uh, and then this this despicable lawyer, uh, not totally unlike Jerry Hogarth when you get down to it, although right. I think Jerry Hogarth is actually relatively ethical compared to Charlotte Richards. So <laughs> Trisha Helfer, definitely on my list. Oh, Trisha Helfer is, uh, you forget this, is from um, Donalda, Alberta. Yeah, she grew up on a farm, and I, yeah. I've read a lot of things with her. She you know, spent her formative youth working on farm machinery, trucks, and I guess that's no surprise that she gravitated toward motorcycles. Sure. So, all right. right. You got? So, when, when we first were, were kind of cutting down this list, we had, I don't know, would you say we, we safely had probably 50 names altogether? At least, at least yeah, if yeah, not sure. more. So, it took a lot of, like, kind of, like, back and forth and okay we got you know we have to make some tough cuts here um you know to get down to the the the, the final you know 10 i was looking over the list and i i i facebook david said dave we don't have roger cross on there is is that on purpose <laughs> no definitely not on purpose <laughs> and and both of us were like i can't believe we don't have roger cross in here at all how how on earth did that happen when he's should have been probably the first guy that we thought of. So, so born in, in Christian, Jamaica, and raised in Vancouver, British Columbia. If we called him the first man of genre television, would that be far off? No, it would not. Absolutely. Yeah. Roger Cross has been in so much stuff. I've like forgotten at least half the things he's he's been in because he's in like freaking everything, like. But you know, he doesn't necessarily. He doesn't always have like a big starring role. 
in those shows, but he is in at least one episode of pretty much, I think, every show ever made in the history of television. <laughs> yep. I would agree <laughs> with you on that one. Um, I first saw him when he was playing um, Curtis Manning on 24 in seasons four, five, and six. And that was an awesome role. And uh, I think he moved from being the guy, like Kiefer Sutherland's partner. I think that he, I believe in like season five, maybe six, he actually takes over. CTU is in charge of it. I, I, I can't remember. It's been ages since I've seen it. But, you know, I just remember like Curtis Manning was definitely probably one of my all-time favorite um, characters in the 24 series. Yeah, I didn't make it that far in 24. So. Ah, season four, well, season four was great. Season five was okay. They started losing. I mean, I ended up watching. You know what? I still, believe it or not, I still have not watched like that last little mini series he did. Yeah. I can't remember. It was like three years ago, I think. But anyway, I digress. So just a couple, you know, we're talking Flashpoint. Do you remember who we played Flashpoint? I don't. Neither do I. Fringe? Nope. Nope. <laughs> uh, Orphan Black, you probably remember from Orphan Black. I do. Okay. I I, I didn't really remember. Uh, Dark Gently? I don't nope. remember. Nope. The Magicians? I have a vague recall. Yeah. Because, you know, by the time I watched The Magicians for the first time, I'd already seen Continuum. Right, you know, right, right. A gazillion times. Um, I know you, you didn't know who you, you didn't watch iZombies, you wouldn't know. Nope. Uh, the Hundred? Mm, nope. Yeah. See, like, those are shows that, like, because when you see him, you're like, hey, there's Roger Cross. And then you're like, but he's only in, like, the one show. And then you, like, forget that he was, was on it because he's just, like, was in it just for that one show. But he is in everything like literally it's it's it is unbelievable the the amount of shows i mean just like if, if he's, he's in so much stuff you forget that he's in then that's pretty amazing i know you first came across him probably uh as travis verta in continuum yep now i right. first saw him in the x-files i just didn't know who he was back then because right. he was just some cop running away from the bad guy before he got mm -hmm. killed, I think, but. Okay. So, um, certainly that was a, a huge role for him and a great show. Again, if you haven't seen Continuum, get on that right away. That's an awesome show. And there's a pretty smashing podcast about it as well, I believe. Don't, isn't that right, Dave? Isn't that a pretty good podcast on Continuum? Uh, yeah, Liberate a Continuum podcast yeah. with uh, Mike and... Mike and this guy? other guy. Oh, there's some yeah, other guy. Yeah, other guy. Yeah. I don't know. Mike was really the one running that show, clearly. Exactly. But, yeah. He's the one with an IMDb listing, so, you know. <laughs> I know. Wow, he's made it, man. I know. I told him, uh, don't forget us little people on your uh, way up. <laughs> uh, you know, he's been in so much stuff that it's actually... I'm surprised after I watch any episode of anything that Roger Cross wasn't in it. I'm like, why wasn't Roger Cross in that episode? You know? Yeah. You start to wonder whether he even has a house because he's always off filming something somewhere. Sure. Right. Right. Absolutely. Also when he played uh, six in, in dark matter. Oh, he was great. A show that was cut down in its prime. Oh, it God. would be 
I would not be exaggerating to say, but he was awesome in it and everything. So, um, Roger Cross, I, I am sorry for some reason that we did. I also didn't mention, of course, like, um, Chronicles of Riddick and the strain and arrow. Um, so those are also one of the numbers, numerous, numerous shows that you've been. So I apologize that we didn't have you down on the list, but, uh, you know, before the invitations went out, we we caught the error and we we rectified it. So, I salute you, Roger Cross. Now, my next choice is kind of a dark horse, and I, again, I think some people will question the validity of somebody like him on a top ten list. But Richard Harmon, who I feel is one of the best current genre bad guys that's working at this point, and. On the one hand, that's kind of an oversimplification. I mean, I first came to uh, know his work as one of the leaders of Liberate in Continuum, and watching his path set against that of Kira Cameron forces us to question whether Liberate are really the bad guys or not. And while we hate Julian Randall at the beginning of the series, by the end of it, Maybe he was right, and Kira was on the wrong side of you know the ethical question at this point. Right. I mean, we never really warm to him, but we understand him more as the series progresses. So uh, I just was just fascinated by him. So when he turns up in the hundred as John Murphy, the quintessential rabble rouser who does just doesn't see the big picture he he kind of lives for the moment and for him living for the moment is bringing down whatever power structure happens to be in place at that moment and uh, you know right from the start you know where, where they are almost ready to execute him in the first season right and you know like uh cockroach he's survived to make it to the present season he's still a main character and he's still one of these morally ambiguous characters and he's gone through a lot of different incarnations but in the end he generally betrays the group looks out only for himself and then does some sort of a hail mary to get himself at least tolerated back in the group so again i think it's a testament to his his acting he also turned up in van helsing for i don't know it was like a three or four episode arc as a corrupt warden which was a pretty good role and just perfect for richard Harmon. born in ontario i'm not even going to try to pronounce the uh, mississauga mississauga you know that from hockey probably no i just pronounced it out Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, who's next on your well, list? Well, I just want to chime in, because like, Richard Harmon, I agree, he is, like, one of the best, like, anti... You almost call him, like, an anti-villain, you know? Like, yeah. he's a villain, but some you don't always 100% root against him. Um, he's great. He was in Caprica, too. He was, he was amazing in Caprica. Um, I think he's one of my favorite, if not my favorite character in Continuum, so... Yeah, very hats off. Okay, all right, come on. I know you've been waiting to talk about this guy for a while now. <laughs> yes, uh, this is one Mr. Ryan Reynolds, who is 
known for um, these movies. Um, there's like two of them. Uh, he plays this superhero. I can't remember. Oh, Green Lantern. Um, oh, I mean, actually, Deadpool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no TV work that I ran across, but certainly enough film work that he yeah. deserves to be on the list. Yeah, too too big for TV at this point for sure. Um, you know, maybe uh, as he uh, as his career arc goes on, on the the way down, we might see him there. But right now, he is um, obviously he's pretty pretty hot property. You know, pretty one of these guys is you know pretty much famous worldwide, um, but. For our discussion here is um, to talk about because it, it you know it's hard to call Deadpool iconic, but when you see like around where I live, there's a Deadpool car. So there's a guy who has a uh, um, a Dodge uh, Challenger painted completely red and tricked out with all the you know, little Deadpool dolls and, and Deadpool masks and everything all over his car. It's awesome. Um, maybe I'll put, I think I have a picture of it in my phone still. I saw him parked one day and I asked him if I could take a picture of his car. The, you know, that, that character has, has really very quickly, you know, assumed this kind of niche iconic place in the, the pantheon of, of superheroes. And he, um, though, Sadly, I think you sent me the the article that about how they might be no more. Disney might not be able to uh, to to produce movies that like like the Deadpool movies, and uh, you know that would that would really suck because even Deadpool two was 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 awesome. He also was X Men Origins Wolverine, but you know once again playing uh, Deadpool, but a very very different uh, version of Deadpool than uh, we see. In the movies, and and that movie honestly is is not very good overall. So, um, and then I did mention Green Lantern, and that is you know the the blemish on his otherwise uh, pretty much unsullied genre career. Uh, I can't, I shouldn't criticize it that much because I've actually never seen the whole movie. I've caught parts of it every now and then, but I've heard it was just so bad that I've never really felt any kind of desire to watch it. And he actually, um, there's a, there's a scene in uh, Deadpool two at the end. It's a little spoil. It's the additional scene at the end. Um, and Deadpool gets a hold of this, uh, like a, a time traveling device. And the one scene he, he goes and Ryan Reynolds is sitting at his desk reading the, the script for green lantern and, uh, and Deadpool goes up and shoots him in the head and kills them. So. I love that stuff when they reference <laughs> yeah. prior work. Uh, yeah, that's cool. And uh, you know, he's 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 not afraid to uh, to proclaim his Canadianness, and uh, he even calls out. Even he is from uh, um, Vancouver, British Columbia, but in the first movie, he does call out uh, Regina. But I think it's just because of what it rhymes with. Uh, he is. Uh, name drops uh, Regina, British Columbia. So, anyway, that's Ryan Reynolds for you. All right. Sounds good. Now, if you've listened to the podcast for any length of time, you're probably waiting for my final selection, <laughs> and that is Toronto-born Lexa Doig. And to say that I've had a crush on her 
for a long time would be the biggest understatement there is, uh, was great. Michael and I got a chance to interview her and it was, uh, I mean, it was a great interview. It was during the continuum run and it, it just, it epitomized so many of the Canadian actors that we had the opportunity to interview we're talking about her character and it, you might, we might've been talking about one of her other shows. All of a sudden you hear in the background, mom, he hit me. Hmm. She's like, hold on a second. <laughs> I mean, just like, just so down to earth. And, and uh, again, that, that sort of thing happened time and again, but I first came to know Lexa Doig as Sonia Valentine in continuum and again, like so many shows, I went back and saw what else she was in, Stargate SG-1, Andromeda, Continuum, Arrow. Uh, she was in V, and I know V doesn't get a lot of love these days, but it was, uh, it was an interesting show. I, I hung, on, hung around for it. But, uh, you know, Andromeda is a show that we've talked about many times, and I don't think we ever even did a podcast about the pilot episode that I recall, but she plays the ship's AI Andromeda, also known as Rami. And we see her as an image on the video screen. We see her as a projection at different points. And then once they take on this, this new crew member, who's this, tech genius he creates a lifelike avatar so we actually see uh, making air quotes the person the the you know humanoid figure of uh rami and this is a show that also stars kevin sorbo as the ship's captain dylan hunt and you might know him from hercules and uh the interesting thing about her character is that she moves beyond mere programming because it's always easy to look at these AI and explain away any action as programming. And, and you know, you mentioned dark matter and the ship's AI there. So, um, yep. you know, I, I think a lot of that, yeah, a lot of it is programmed, but a lot of it is learning along the way and then you know, making decisions also along the way. Right. Um, also in Stargate SG-1 seasons 9 and 10, playing Dr. Carolyn Lamb, who was, turns out to be the daughter of the new general who takes over SG Command. But if you remember, in Continuum, Sonia Valentine was also a medical doctor. And when you go back and look at her different roles in IMDb, she plays a lot of doctors Mm-hmm. And I asked her about that, and she just said, I have a knack for being able to pronounce these incredibly long <laughs> words that I don't know what they mean, but I find it easy to pronounce them correctly. Right. Well, that's, so, you know, yeah, that's a talent. Right. But uh, she also was in a show that my wife really liked and was disappointed it got canceled called The Arrangement, where she plays uh, an agent for an actor who is a well-known action star. And again, she's just so different in this role, but she, she's just so badass in this role as well, even though she doesn't actually punch anybody or, you know, inject anybody or anything like that. So, uh, Alexa Doy, you know, uh, she's the fifth on my list, but, uh, probably would have to be number one, your heart though. Number one in my heart. 
So, <laughs> all right, who are you going to bring it home with? We, I am going to bring it home with one Mr. Aaron Ashmore, who has, you know, like he he kind of, in a very Richard Harmon-esque way, kind of, you know, just stuck around. Like he just seemed to make every cut. And then we got down to the final cut. It was like, you know what? I th- yeah, and, and in, in, <laughs> you know, you mentioned Richard Harmon. Aaron Ashmore's characters are always the quintessential good guy. Right, exactly. So he's he's just the the complete polar opposite of um, of the like the character type that that Richard Harmon usually plays. You know, he's uh, born in Richmond, British Columbia, raised in Brampton, Ontario, which is the home to a you know a huge list of NHL players. But you know, that's neither here nor there. The, the role that most recently kind of stuck out, obviously, is um, he just last year finished, or just, I guess, a couple months ago, right? Finished playing Johnny Jacoby, um, which I didn't until today realize how that was spelled. Uh, yeah, I had to learn early on how to spell it since I write the uh, reviews for it on Den of Geek. Yeah. I was like, what? So that's how they spell it? No kidding. He was great. Uh, Johnny was the guy we, we rooted for all the time, even against his own brother. A lot of times, you know, you just, we liked him a little bit better than we liked his brother. I, I felt like, you know, he seemed more like the, 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 the normal guy. What was the, his character, his brother's character's name? Da- Davin. 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 News the D. Um, you know, Davin was just this, you know, tall, good looking, dark haired guy, you know, um, huge muscled and everything. And, and, and uh, not to say that Aaron Ashmore is not a, an attractive individual. He is, but I'm just saying he's not that over the top movie star kind of good looking. He's your kind of, well, like, like Nate on lost girl, right? If we move to yeah. move to another role, like Nate, just a nice guy, right? Yeah. Uh, I think he annoyed us a lot at first. Okay. I'll say it. he annoyed me at first, but I think by the time he was done on uh, Lost Girl, I I felt a certain fondness for for the character of of Nate, you know, and, and that's kind of like his his thing. Now, of course, Johnny Jacoby is a little harder edge, a little bit tougher than 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 Nate, but still, he's the kind of the guy at heart we can, you know, he, he's just like we can relate to him. I think I think kind of like the biggest thing about uh, uh, Aaron Ashmore is. He he plays characters that we feel we can relate to. He, he feels like kind of every man type characters, uh, very likable characters. Uh, he was Steve Jinx in Warehouse 13. He had a big role in there. Again, uh, a likable guy for sure. I, I never saw Smallville, but I saw he played Jimmy Olsen in Smallville. Um, he was even in Fringe one episode. I have no idea who he was. Yeah, in yeah so. me either. Uh, he does have a if, if you you know pair him with his twin brother Sean, then you have a really strong resume because uh, Sean Ashmore played Bobby the Iceman in um, the first three X Men uh, movies. So um, between the two of them, they have some. I mean, just Aaron on his own has an outstanding you know, resume of, of genre television, but, uh, you know, throwing his brother there too. You really got, uh, I, I, I failed to mention lock and key just cause I haven't seen lock and key at all, though I've heard it's really good. 
So I think that's actually maybe I might have now on my list. I might be watching that sooner rather than later. Yeah, and that's something you can watch with your kids as well. I think even your daughters are old enough now to not be scared. I mean, it it is, you know, it's kind of scary, but not like Haunting of Hill House scary. Right. That was scary. Yeah, (laughs) no question. So. All right. Well, uh, those are our 10. Now, you know, you mentioned that when we started, we had a list of about 50 and we're going to throw a few more out. Honorable mention. We're not going to talk at any length, but for me, Tamo Pennicott, who was in Battlestar Galactica as Hilo. He was also in Dollhouse, Rift World Chronicles, even turned up in Supernatural for a few episodes. Chris Holden Reed, of course, from Lost Girl vikings the expanse dark matter and and he was somebody that i think we both really considered for the final 10 but just didn't quite make the cut we wanted to have five men five women rather than you know to have it weighted one way or right. the other um and then patrick gilmore who we know as david in travelers but he was also a, a main character in stargate universe which was a show that i came to very late and really enjoyed really enjoyed his character he didn't have a beard it took me a couple episodes to realize that's who it was <laughs> and even a couple episodes of battlestar galactica so um you know they, they're deserving but just not quite right yeah and and yeah guys who like again probably made the um you know just didn't quite make uh the, the final cut but uh certainly deserved to have actually uh, a mention in there and everything so right and elena if you're listening and you're sitting there what the f is wrong with you two <laughs> w- wayne's gonna at least have you covered for honorable mention in a minute yeah yeah and i was trying to find real quickly uh taylor Peck actually was born in whitehorse yukon oh, which is pretty okay. And then, uh, you know, Chris Holden Reed is uh, from uh, Pickering, Ontario. You, you, I thought you would talk longer than I could come up with where all, all these guys are born. Uh, Gil, Patrick Gilmore's from Edmonton, Alberta. Oh, cool. So, all right. Uh, so, the, the honorable mentions. Uh, first of all, uh, first and foremost, and probably a lot of people would wonder how this guy did not even make the list, and that is one Mr. William Shatner, uh, one of Canada's favorite sons. And, uh, you know, I, I think basically he really hasn't done much uh, genre except for Star Trek, right? Yeah, I mean, episode or two of Haven, yeah, Tech War, which I think he wrote the novels for as well. But, yeah, like you said, it was pretty much Star Trek. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that that was kind of, when we compared to others. And you know, now I think about it, it was a tough that was a tough cut to make to, to cut out William Shatner. We were talking about Canadian actors in genre, but you know, this was this was a tough team to make. You know, the the trials were difficult, uh, cuts were were were, were tough. Um, you know, it, it wasn't an easy easy thing to do. The next is uh, Jewel State, who could have qualified. Uh, easily, she has been in both. Uh, well, she's been in Firefly, obviously. Um, Stargate Lannis. She was in The Magicians as well as The Order. So, um, 
you know, she, she had the, the number of just, like I said, like it was, it was tough cuts. And while we love Jewel State and think that, uh, the, this, the daughter of White Rock, British Columbia is, uh, you know, certainly deserved at least a, a, a mention here. Um, yeah. Well, you know, it's like we say to parents when they complain about their kid not starting, well, who would you have me take out of the lineup to put your kid in? Correct. And, and the answer is always Jeremy. Why is Jeremy starting <laughs> over my kid? Yeah. <laughs> uh, last but not least, another, I know this was, uh, Elena is, is literally tearing her hair out that we've made her wait this long to even say the words Nathan Fillion, um, born in Edmonton, Alberta. And uh, obviously what really, you know, took him off the list is, again, yeah. what we look at is like, well, what has he, what, what genre has he been in outside of, of Firefly? He's in a ton of stuff. He is great in uh, everything he does. Um, uh, he was, you know, Richard Castle in Castle, which was a great show and, and he was awesome in. So, um, you know, but, but it was really just the, the one thing that, that kind of really uh, kept us from, from immortalizing him in the pantheon that we have created here. But he certainly deserves, you know, a mention. So um, we got our top 10. We got six honorable mentions. Uh, I guess we should listen to what Fred's got in his list. So here's Fred, and we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the podcast number 357, which is my own Patreon top 10 list choice for 2020. And in 2019, you did 10 movies I picked. So in 2019, I knew what you were going to talk about, but now I don't know which 10 actors you are going to pick. So I'm very curious... I'm very curious about what's on my list and what's on yours. I'm happy I can speak to you because yesterday I lost my voice and perhaps I still sound a little raw. Did that ever happen to you, Dave and Wayne, that you couldn't speak and you had to postpone your recording? Okay, what I will do is give you my own top 10 list. And as you announced to do... It are not necessarily the best Canadian actors, but it are my favorite Canadian actors. And why I chose a top 10 list of Canadian actors is probably explained by Dave at the beginning of the podcast, because I sent in a request with an explanation. So I don't need to go into that here. And if you have listened to that explanation you probably know which actor will land up on position one anyhow, and that would be Tatiana Maslany, the lead actress of Orphan Black, a series about human cloning, and as a geneticist, this really did the trick for me. And of course, in the meanwhile, because I started watching Orphan Black in 2014, many other Canadian actors I saw performing are impressive. But in this COVID-19 lockdown period, I'm re-watching Orphan Black for, I think, the fifth time, together with the girlfriend of my son, who's 18. And now re-watching, just finished season one again, I really have Tatiana Maslany 
on one and that is especially because she can do these clones so differently and does a perfect job in portraying these clones with two three or even four in the same frame and what happened to my son's girlfriend is what happened to many people who start watching orphan black in the first episode she even didn't recognize that katja obinger was also played by tatjana maslany After finding Tatjana Maslany in one episode of The Listener, I started watching that series. Second actor I want to mention, or actress actually, is Lauren Lee Smith. And she is the lead in that series, together with Greg Oynick, who plays Toby Logan. And he's the listener, and the listener means that he can read people's thoughts or feelings. And in that way, he helps Michelle McCluskey, who is the police officer, who is Lauren Lee Smith, and helps uh, resolving all kinds of crimes and also preventing crimes. She's quite a contradiction to Tatjana Maslany, who is short and dark-haired. And Lauren Lee Smith is very tall and blonde and was a previous model. So I followed her in several other series. And in this listener, by the way, she had as partner Adam Reynolds, who is played by Chris Holden-Reed. And he is surely my top male Canadian actor, also known, of course, from Lost Girl. In that same series, we also encounter Peter Stebbings as the chief police officer, who is further in this series is Anthony Lemke, who is another favorite Canadian male actor, and or who is also in this series, is Peter Outerbridge. So I have a collection of male Canadian actors just in this first series. Sorry for some background noises, but the four-year-old daughter of our neighbor is screaming in the backyard. For quite some time, but I think it's over now. Furthermore, Rachel Scarston plays in three episodes of this five-season series. And she is certainly also on my list, especially because she plays Alice now in Batwoman and does that very, very nicely. And of course, she was also in Lost Girl and Birds of Prey and in one episode of Winona Earp. Talking about Winona Earp, in this listener, the girlfriend of the lead, Toby, is Tia. And Tia is played by Melanie Scrifano. And I liked her very much in the listener. So actually the second Canadian series I ever watched in, in 2014. Not expecting that she would be the lead in Winona Earp uh, much later. And she is actually one of the actresses I met in real life. I met her at a Winona Herb fan convention. Actually, I met several other Canadian actors there, like Anna Silk, who we know from Lost Girl, of course. Okay, let's start with my top 10 list. Well, Melanie Scrafano of Winona Herb is on position 10. It was quite difficult, by the way, to select. I had made a list of 50 Canadian actors. 21 males and 29 females, and I selected 10, 2 males and 8 females. Office Melanie is the first one. On position 9 is Kobe Smulders, who we of course know from the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I'm enjoying Stumptown, a series just ended its first season about a PI in Portland. 
And I have a lot of respect for her because she was quite open about her ovarian cancer she had at a quite a young age and is very active in prevention programs for ovarian cancer. And Kobe is of course half Dutch. Actually I wanted Dave and Wayne to make a top 10 of Dutch actors or half Dutch actors but it was a little difficult. Canadian was a little easier. The next one on the list, number 8, is a male, and this is Chris Holden-Reed, which I know from The Listener, as just said, but from many other series as Lost Girl, but also from the Canadian sci-fi series The Expanse. Number 7 on my list is Lauren Lee Smith, and I already talked about her. In the area of genre and sci-fi, she did Mutant X in 2001 and The Listener from 2011 onward. But I'm enjoying her currently in Frankie Drake Mysteries, a bit Murdoch-like mysteries, which is also Canadian, but that's not genre sci-fi. The next one is Anthony Lemke, who is in a lot of series, often as just a guest role, but sometimes also as a main character, such as in The Listener. He was in Lost Girl as well as Ryan Lambert for five episodes. He was in Good Witch and Dark Matter, series I didn't watch so far, and in Blind Spot, and also in Frankie Drake Mysteries. Again, not a sci-fi or genre series. Number five is Rachel Scarson, currently as Alice in Batwoman. Number four is Natalie Brown, a not-so-well-known Canadian actress, but I like her a lot. She was, for instance, in The Crossing as the mayor. She was also in Being Human, one episode of The Listener, Bitten, and Dark Matter, 11 episodes, and 38 episodes of The Strain, which surely is also genre And I know her from the last season of Ransom, which is not a genre or sci-fi series. And again, in Frankie Drake Mysteries, but just a few episodes. Hope she will come back for the fourth season. Number three is Michael Nguyen, who we know as Delcea Kendry from Killjoys, for instance. But also in two episodes of Defiance. One episode of Continuum, one episode of The Listener, and in the 2004 series, 52 episodes of Regenesis. And I loved how she used her own pregnancy in the Killjoy series, just as Melanie Scrofano actually in Winona Earp. Number two is Rachel Nichols, who we know from Continuum, but also from Titans, which I didn't watch. Four episodes of The Librarians and a rather large role in the movie Conan the Barbarian. And as completely green Orion slave girl Jaila in the first movie in the alternative timeline of Star Trek, the Galvin timeline, the movie is from 2009. And my number one is, as announced, Tatiana Maslany. I have two honorable mentions That is James Doohan, Scotty from Star Trek, and William Shatner as Captain Kirk from Star Trek. They are both also born in Canada. And to close up with, I had five of my list of 50, which I couldn't fit into my top 10, but I still want to mention them. That's Chantal Riley, Anna Hopkins, Evangeline Lilly, Rob Stewart, 
and David Straithang. He played in Alphas and also in the most recent season of The Expanse. So I'm very much looking forward to what your lists will be. And I also wonder how many differences there are between your two lists. Okay, thank you very much for this treat. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Um, you know, he, he mentions that he almost had to postpone recording his feedback because he is losing his voice. And he asked, did we ever postpone recording a podcast because of that? I don't think we did. I, I think we had to postpone once because I was sick. And mm-hmm. I think one time you, uh, your kid was rushed to the emergency room or something. <laughs> bogus I, I, yeah some some bs but, uh, reason like that but you know we've now you know we've really been able to record pretty regularly over the past almost eight years now so uh you know i, I guess maybe teaching and and talking so much uh, you know our voices were more resilient who yeah. the hell knows yeah i don't, I don't, but, yeah, uh, I don't know now now fred mentions a number of people that uh you know we considered um tatiana maslani should she have right. been on our list yeah well again same thing as nathan fillion right like yes exactly you know we, we it's just she really besides orphan you know, besides orphan black um couldn't really think of any other um notable genre shows even though i am really looking forward to perry mason uh, on HP, which is coming up in HBO, that she's going to ha- have a big role in that. So, yeah, and and I I guess you know because he mentions a lot of these actors that he that he likes end up in this show called The Listener, and you know Fred, you you talk it up so highly. I guess I'll probably try to give it a give it a shot at some point. You know he he does mention Chris Holden Reed. He mentions the Rachels, and Rachel Scarston was somebody we considered. Sure. Certainly Lost Girl. Birds of Prey, which is one of those hidden gems that, you know, we podcasted about it oh, four or five years ago, and, and it is available on the CW's got some free channel. I can't remember what it's called. The CW Seed, I believe. CW Seed, and it is available there. So if you haven't seen the original Birds of Prey, it, it's definitely worth checking out. Sure. He also mentions Rachel Nichols, and she's actually American. She was <laughs> from New England, I think was born right. and raised in New England, went to college in New England. She's a Patriots actually, fan, too. Columbia. like... But uh, that's okay. But the one, oh my God, when he mentioned Anna Hopkins, I'm like, oh my God, how could I forget Anna Hopkins? Who, after Lexa Doig, the crush on Anna Hopkins is <laughs> is, is right there from Defiance. Uh, I can't remember whether she was in The Expanse or Killjoys, but one of those two. But I love Anna Hopkins. Evangeline Lilly who played Kate on Lost and is also, and I always forget the uh, the Hobbit shows, the movies that she was in. And then there was another movie you well, she, mentioned. Yeah, she's in uh, Ant-Man and, and Ant-Man and the Ant-Man. Wasp. Right. So uh, she was on our list, just didn't make the final cut. But, uh, you know, Fred, this was a, a, a really enjoyable experience for, for the both of us to sit down look at all of these amazing Canadian actors and, you know, then 
forced to uh, you know whittle it down. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was tough. Very difficult decisions to make. Uh, I know we're probably going to receive uh, criticism for it. We stand by we stand by our choice. By the way, Anna Hopkins was in uh, Dark Matter, The Expanse, and Killjoys. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Again, like I said, it was just the, like the, uh, the the choices were just too tough when it when it came down to it. Like like you said, who you who you going to take off the list to put some of those people in? You know. All right. Anything else you want to mention about any of the people we talked about or somebody nope. we left off? Okay. All right. Well, Fred, thank you for supporting us through Patreon. Thank you for supporting us with your feedback each week. And that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you guys for joining us. Love to hear what your list would look like. Post it in the Facebook group. What you think about Ragnarok, Impulse, Dark, anything else going on in genre TV, join the Facebook group if you haven't already and get into the discussions there. Email can go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. And we'll be back next time with... Uh, we're not sure we, maybe, yeah, it's like the, maybe another patreon supporter request but uh something <laughs> yeah well, we gotta come up with something quick i just re- <laughs> I was thinking today until i was then. like we, we haven't we haven't decided yet. and so until then i got nothing okay <laughs> yeah.